Hi, my name is Farron, and you're listening to Hungry for Apples podcast. Please follow me on Instagram, F-A-E-R-N, and check out my website, Farron.me. Grab an apple, enjoy the show. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Welcome back to Hungry for Apples. To begin this week, I want to share a little bit from the Upanishads. And the reason that I'm sharing this is because I've noticed that a particular meditation um, mantra and breath exercise has become rather popular or it's becoming popularized in a way. And I think it would be a really good idea if everyone just kind of spent a little time understanding where it comes from. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing the breath exercise in this mantra. It's not like some kind of closed practice or anything like that. It's been around for centuries and centuries. It's quite beautiful. It's quite simple. It's just that I feel like the way that it's being packaged right now, it's like vitamins for the awakening or something like that. And although it is extremely effective, we have to dial in why it is that we're doing these things so that we're not just feeding our ego and waiting for some big moment where, oh, look, I'm enlightened now because I've been doing this mantra for a set amount of time and they said, la, 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 la. Like all of that is, um, all of that is being packaged alongside a lot of different awakening methods. And I just think that this one in particular has been around a lot longer than everything else that it's being kind of aligned with. And it's beneficial to know where it comes from. The Upanishads is something that has been around for so long. I mean, this is ancient, ancient scripture. It is so old that it was around for thousands of years before anyone even wrote it down. I mean, this is this is the real deal, okay? I don't know why I said it like that. To me, it's just so important that that's how I feel. Okay. So I'm going to read just a little bit first. Um... Actually, that's all I'm going to do. Next week, what I'm going to do is lead a little bit of a breath exercise that goes along with this mantra. Um, An episode ago, or actually the one before that, I did lead a breath exercise, a little meditation, and I would like to do that again. So that's what's going to happen. For now, I'm going to read a little bit of commentary because I'm obviously not going to read the Sanskrit. I'm reading from um, a practical commentary on India's classical scriptures. I've read from this before, okay? It's the one called the Upanishads for Awakening. It's from the Brihadranyaka Upanishad. And it is the very beginning, okay? In the beginning, this world was only the self, Atman. 
in the shape of a person. Looking around, he saw nothing else than the self. He first said, I am so hum. I am that. So that's the translation. Here's a little bit of commentary. So hum is the first speaking of the absolute itself, the expression of the knowledge and knowing of the self. So hum is the name embodiment of the primeval being, the self of the universe and the self of ourselves. So hum is the consciousness of Brahman and of the self of each one of us. We too are Soham. In the section of the Yoga Sutras 127, dealing with Ishvara, the Supreme Lord, also known as Vraj, Patanjali makes the statement, Tasya Vachaka Pranava. Mm, let me say it again. Tasya Vachaka Pranava. His vachaka is the pranava. Vachaka means speech or speaking. Pranava means life. Life giver and breath principle. The breath word. It is commonly thought of as om, but integrating this with the verse, we have been considering, we see that the breath word soham. For he first said soham. Patanjali continues regarding the pranava. Its constant repetition and meditation is the way. From it results the disappearing of obstacles to enlightenment and turning inward of consciousness. So hum is the breath and life word. Ishvara speaks so hum as the foundation of the universe, as the evidence evolutionary life force within the cosmos of every individual being okay I think that if you're into awakening what I just read makes a lot of sense basically what it is is a breath exercise well what we can do with this is we can experience that experience as a witness as we move through working with saying soham and we align it with our breath right so by doing that we're representing our atman i believe that's the best way i can really say that in the understanding where i am right now so it makes a lot of sense that people are kind of getting on this mantra. So hum, so hum, so hum. So hum, so hum, so. So hum, so hum, so. So hum, hum, so. Um, basically, what you would do is align the word with your breath. Inhale, so hum. Exhale, hum, so. I'll lead one next week, as I said, but what you would do in case you wanted to try it is you align it, like I said, with your breath, but you do it for a while, not a minute. It's like 10 minutes. Now I'm not going to lead it for 10 minutes next week. We'll do a few minutes, but if you want to try it out, do it for a set amount of time 
set yourself up so you're comfortable and avoid saying the word in your head now obviously it's really hard to say something when you're inhaling and you're exhaling so when you do inhale you obviously are not saying this other word but you're going to pattern it together as your inhale and exhale so your exhale is where you say the word right isn't that when you speak so so hum hum so is the inhale hum so anyhow when i practice this i feel immediately grounded i've been hearing people say to start meditation with this which i think is great it's true it's a wonderful meditation but the key ingredient here is that we're aligning the meditation the connection with our breathing and i feel like that might be the missing component now i understand that people are saying that but there is an inherent the breath is what we're trying to concentrate on versus trying to get somewhere to attain anything there it is that's what i was looking for saying concentrating on the breath is going to bring you into your heart center and then you will be able to feel a different type of expansion whether it's around your skull your third eye your heart your it doesn't matter where you're trying to feel an expansion you need to pay attention to where it's actually happening and this meditation will give you the time and the attention to do that I think it's fabulous. It's just the simplicity of it, I think, is where people kind of get a little bit messed up with it. Let me know if you try it. As you know, I really love when I get questions and comments. So the email for this podcast, hungryforapplespodcast at gmail.com. If you have any comments, questions, or something that you want me to cover, I would really love if you would let me know. And that being said, I did get a question, which is why I wanted to share the Soham Mantra because it is something that will assist in the question that I got. So let me read you the question first. The question is how to let go of fear of judgment and feel good enough to do the thing that you're feeling imposter syndrome over. Let me say that again. How to let go of fear of judgment and feel, quote, good enough to do the thing that you're feeling imposter syndrome over. Okay. So I was lucky enough to have a a few comments with this person in order to get a little bit more nuanced for what they were looking for because there's a big difference between trying to perform something physically and trying to guide someone in a spiritual way or trying to create an art piece or you know get out there and sing or be a comedian like there's a lot of nuance of different things that people are afraid of and one thing I've noticed is it it usually comes down to the same root, but there's so much thought, so many thinkings going on that it gets in the way. There's a web of this like 
thought process of what might happen if, right? I know this from experience. I know this from teaching yoga, especially from putting art in any kind of gallery, from, you know, giving any kind of talk, even from getting myself to be comfortable in front of the camera or even doing this podcast. So the first thing that I would say would be I understand that it's kind of alluring to concentrate on the fear of being in front of people or making a mistake and sometimes that fear is so in the way of even creating a process to approach it that if you could take some time to just kind of back up a little bit and create a space where you support yourself to do the teaching so for example before I do any kind of mystic message for someone, I don't know if y'all know this, but I do in, intuitive messages. And for me, it's very important that I don't know the person very closely that I'm doing the message for because it's something I'm something that's a little bit newer for me to be offering. What I do in order to create a space for myself in order to feel comfortable that I will give the most genuine reading for the person is that I give when I first started I gave myself two hours I mean this was hard to do not everybody can do this but you create a space right what I would do was I would have a yoga practice I would sit for meditation maybe maybe some sound um, I would make sure that I'm not looking at any kind of social media I would make sure that I was very in control of any kind of sound coming in at all, whatever music was on or anything like that. And then I would create a process of, okay, I'm transitioning into this space of being the teacher or the reader in my case, in this example. And I would say, okay, it's time, it's time to, it's time to do this now. And I would check out how I feel and work from that space of course at first I was afraid to do it but at the same time I had to register that that fear wasn't based on anything that was life-threatening right so in this particular case wanting to guide someone spiritually a lot of people think they have this imposter syndrome thing, right? And that most of the time, especially in this spiritual realm, shows just how much you care about wanting to give a genuine space for the person. That you are learning to witness what it's like to assist someone and hold space for somebody else. Your fear is most likely wrapped around just wanting to do a good job, right? But because it's fear-based, we're often trained to turn that on ourselves. So the comment of being good enough to do the thing, well, the chances are pretty high that you're actually 
more than good enough. Everyone's good enough to do whatever it is that they want to do. But the fear is messing up that cognitive understanding of that. So the other thing that I did was understand what I needed when I felt that way, right? For example, before teaching um, a larger yoga class, I really needed a couple minutes right before class. I had to be by myself. I really needed to know whatever mantra I was about to sing. It had to be right there, right on my mind. I had to stay completely focused on whatever it was that was the most important point that I was trying to bring into the room at that time. And often this is not a comfortable space to be, which again can, if misunderstood, trigger a fear thing, which is more anxiety, I think, than a fear thing. But given what we're talking about, I'm just going to go with that. So what you would want to do is have a, a way that you would approach the fear. So like I said, how you set up your space in order to do whatever it is that you want to do. And your space includes your teaching space, your mind, your body, your breath, everything going on around you, all of that. So taking complete control of that and then noticing how the fear comes up. Can you witness the fear and tell yourself, I am not in danger, I'm just trying to help someone? Or something like that. You would have to come up with a little bit of an affirmation in order to appease yourself and get used to it. So you're not trying to talk yourself into it. You're just trying to shift gears. You flip a little bit of a switch to say, hey, we're going to try this out. It's going to be uncomfortable. We're going to do it and I'm going to be there for you. And you're saying that to yourself. So that's what it's like to witness, right? Essentially, this is a lot of thinking. It involves the idea that thoughts are things and registering the fear as a non-life-threatening. So, in order to get out of your own way, you get into yourself. You have a meditation that you do with extreme regularity and you really notice where on your body the fear kind of shows up when you think about teaching and you notice that and you appease it and you work through it. Obviously things shift and change as we progress. Most of the time when we're afraid of showing up for other people, it has to do with whether or not we've shown up for ourselves. So I think that if you took a little bit time and rearranged how you were setting yourself up and go through a process of meditation or a physical practice and a little bit of meditation, something different than what it is that you're going to teach so that there's a shift in energy for you and then you have a little extra to give. And don't forget that the reason that you the most likely, now I'm not in your head, I'm not in your body, but the most likely reason that this is coming up 
is because you care so much. And to be honest, that's beautiful. Please let me know if this was any kind of an assistance. And if you have any other questions, please, please share with me. I'm so excited that you sent me this question. It really means the world to me. Thank you. All right. That's our episode. Thank you for being here. Bye now. All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening all the way through. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider a small donation over at patreon.com backslash Farron. And feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, F-A-E-R-N. Or if you have any questions, check out my website, Farron.me. You can contact me there. You can see my class schedule and upcoming events. Again, you've been listening to Hungry for Apples with your host, Farron. I'm just feeling it out. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.